Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. Let's linger on the verse so we can deal with some of the, the translations. Um, chapter 3, verse 3, by Yomer Moshe, Moses said, Asura na we spoke a little bit about the root Lasur. Uh, Vera gave us some wonderful uh, connections. Oops, sorry about that. Um, I will. I will. It's so hard to translate. Maybe I shall remove myself, and I will see et this great vision, this great thing to be seen. Right, mare is literally that which is seen. Madua, why lo yivar hasne? Why? Uh, will the bush not um, uh, not burn, right? So we translated it simply, but uh, we love lingering in it, so let's linger. I see Larry and Diane's hand up and Norman Rachel. Go ahead, Larry, Diane. So I have two comments, no real answers. Um, the, the, the comment is about the Asura Na. The Na, I think, meaning please, such a polite form, yeah. telling yourself, Telling yourself, please, can I do this? Um, I just find that um, interesting. And I think that one could rush on that. And the other, this, the second point that I'll make before you comment is, I've commented on this before. I don't know there's actually a name for this <clears throat> this thing, but the er-e et amar-e, where you've got this verb and the noun, which are almost identical. It happens so rarely in um, in English. I'm not even think of any examples, but there, there are many. What? See the sights. See the sights, exactly. See, yeah, I don't even like that so much because see and sights are so different. Oh, yeah. What's well, the vision and the noun? I don't know. It's the, it's the verb and the, the noun. All right, let, the man, let the man talk. I'm going to mute you all. Well, well you've actually <laughs> yes. got the word itself in uh, as the object of the verb and i feel like there should be a name for that for that phenomenon for that that's not grammar but for that phenomenon and we see it so often in hebrew i'm just struck by it every time we see it yeah it's much more common in in hebrew obviously there are english versions of it but hebrew is a much more rooted language right it's, it's much more beholden to connected to you could you could be dramatic enslaved to its shorashim and um and and because english stems from greek and it stems from latin and it stems from other romance languages it's not as as uniformly connected to a singular notion of the origin of words hebrew is which makes it i mean as that's why one one of the many reasons i love hebrew poetry and i i don't want to you can do things with Hebrew you can't do in English. You can do beautiful things in English too, but you can you can um, evoke instant associations in 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 that kind of way, where the where the noun and the verb and sometimes even the adjective right are are cousins of one another. Um, and yes, it's it's worth it's worth mark, remarking. Um, so, Larry or someone else, answer your own question. What, what do you make of the na? What, how is the verse different? How is Moshe's Speaking to himself, by the way, how is it different with the presence of the na compared to how we would read it in the absence of the na? Right? It's really untranslatable, but it's there. So I did have, I had one idea. I don't know whether I can confirm it going back. Is it possible that actually 
Moshe was not by himself initially when he saw the bush. We're, we're told that he was tending the flock, but we're not told that he was tending the flock alone. And he may have been with some other of the shepherds when he actually sees this fire. The angel appears, and we've already talked about the angel as a vision, so he's not so sure that he's actually seen something. Have the others seen it or not seen it? And so he says that Asura Na, that I, speaking to the others, I've got, to, please, if you don't mind, I've got to go turn aside to go see this marvelous sight. That's, that's the only thing I can think of. Uh, wonderful possibility. Uh, <laughs> wonderful. Uh, others, um, Norm and Rachel, your hand was up first, but I'm not sure if your comment, what's your comment? My comment deals arguably with this verse or with the previous one, and that is I read this week, it being the same Parsha as we were reading, that a, a story that suggests um, that the burning bush had been burning for quite some time. This bush hosting a fire that wasn't consuming it had been going on for quite some time. Other shepherds had passed by without ever noticing it. And even Moshe Rabbeinu might not have noticed it, but for the fact that one of the sheep wandered off in that direction and he followed the sheep and there he found this bush. And I just thought that was a really interesting concept that it might've been there for quite some time, might still be there, but for the fact that eventually Moshe noticed it, communicated, and yeah. so it goes. There's a, you could write a wonderful theological monograph on that, that there, there, there's always a bush burning, not being consumed, waiting for someone to see God in it, right? Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a very powerful uh, story in the, in the Gemara, in Masechet Sanhedrin, see if I can recreate it quickly, um, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, um, somehow Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi is, is told that if he wants to find the Mashiach, he can find them amongst the lepers standing outside the gate. And so Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi goes outside the gates of the city and sees a, a group of lepers. Um, and, oh, and, and, and he's, he's also told, I'm bungling the story a little bit, but I won't bungle the punchline. Um, how, how will I know which of the lepers is the Mashiach? And he's told that whereas all the other lepers wrap, unwrap all their bandages and then wrap all their bandages at once, the Mashiach unwraps one bandage at a time uh, in case he's called upon to come immediately. He'll be, he'll be ready. Rabbi Shubh and Levi goes to the gates of the city, finds the one who's the Mashiach, and starts having a conversation with the Messiah, with the Mashiach. And he says to him, when will you come? And the Mashiach says, Hayom. Today, Yeshua and Levi is ecstatic that the Mashiach is coming today. So he goes back to his home, his community, and he waits for redemption. Doesn't come. Goes back the next day and he says, Mashiach, I thought you said you were going to come today. And what the Gemara does is put in the Mashiach's mouth the verse, Hayom im tishma'u bekolo, which is a verse from Psalms. Today, if you listen to his voice, meaning I could come today, but not enough of you are listening to the, to the right voices. So, so yes, today is possible, right? The Mashiach is outside the gates of the city. God is in the burning bush. Redemption is always available, but we have to have enough people who are walking by and seeing it. So I, Baruch Shekivanta Norm, because this notion of the, the, God's accessibility 
as being perpetual. And what's blocking is not whether God makes God's self available, but whether or not we are seeing God in the places that we ought to see God. So that, that's a beautiful read back into this verse. Thank you for that. Uh, Andrew Tova Berry. Good morning. Um, maybe I'm misinterpreting something here, um, but I want to note what I, what I think is a contradiction where it's interesting that Moshe says, Madua lo yivar, but isn't that contradicting the previous Pasuk where it says, wouldn't it have made more sense for Moshe to say, Wow, I've, I've read this, these verses hundreds of times, and I've never, my brain has never um, focused on that really wonderful question. Um, great question. Right. It's all the more, it's also interesting because stylistically, the Pasuk is, you know, Moshe is almost like over-narrating. He's telling us everything. He's being super on the nose about his thoughts and observations, and yet there's this disconnect between the exposition in the previous Pasuk and this. So, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know what to make of it. Yeah. Um, I was looking quickly to see if Unculus is troubled by the same thing. The verb Unculus uses that to say that the in, in verse 2 – that the snap is Boer Ba'esh. Remember, Unculus kind of reread those verses and talked about a, a revelation of God, Bishal Huvit Ashata in the in the flame of the fire, Migo Asnana, um, from within the snare. And he uses the Aramaic form of Boer, Ba'er. He uses the Aramaic form of um, Ukal in Mit Achil, turns it into a hit, it pa'el, a hit pa'el rather than a pu'al. And then Maybe this is maybe this is something, Andrew. You're onto it. He does not use the word ba'er in Aramaic in the next verse. He used the word mitukad, which we know from Parshat Tzav. Tukad ala tukad eishal lo tukad. To to be it's it's a more um, I don't know obscure verb that re, that refers to something burning up. So Hidafka does not use the verb. By air, even though he could, maybe he's troubled by the same thing. I'd never picked up on that. Wonderful. I don't. I don't have a great answer at all. I'd love to hear what other people do, but it's a very uh, astute reading. Um, Tova and then Barry, either you, what you were going to say or comment on Andrew's question. Uh, no, this was in response to Asurana. Okay, go ahead. Um, I'm just wondering if what it's indicating is that Moshe already has a sense. He clearly is perceiving something he sees as miraculous. He already has a, an overwhelming sense of divinity. And so he's, in a sense, asking, permit me, or it, may it be allowed that I turn aside and approach this thing that, that is divine. And that the, and that the, the na is part of, of, yeah. of, that, of that process. That, yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's so hard to make an argument from silence because I know the verse as it is. And so I'm used to the verse as it is. And so... Maybe had the verse been differently, I would have liked the verse that way. I like the na here because it's soft, it's humble, it's a bit hesitant, it's 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 Moshe, not really sure what to do <laughs> because we uh, it, it's it, it's hard to be sure what to do when you think you're having a revelation. Like when was the last time you had a revelation from the heavens? Were you certain about it? So so the the na to me is indicative of the modesty of a prophet. Right. Um, 
Now, had there not, not been there, I could have argued the other way around. But look, look, at, the, look at the certainty uh, of, 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 of Moshe. Isn't that, isn't that a wonderful thing to be so certain when God is speaking to you? Um, but I, but, I, but I'm, I'm used to that not being there, and therefore I read it similar to how, how you're reading it in terms of Moshe's own relationship with God's revelation. Barry? Well, uh, yeah, I was going in the direction Toba just uh, mentioned. It's a, it's a, a, a personal um, understanding of Moshe's position. Uh, he's, he's, he's seen this very strange thing. And uh, should, should he look? Is he afraid to look? Uh, uh, it, it's, it's too powerful. Should he look? It's, 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 that's the no. Nah. And uh, in, in the first phrase, in, in two, uh, he, he, the, 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 before he's examining it, the, 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 the bush is not being consumed. But in, in, in looking further, he sees that the, the, the fire, it, the existence of the fire is separate from the bush. There's the fire in the bush, but the bush is not on fire. So that's why they're using using the bush is not burning. The fire is not touching the bush, and and he's he's troubled. He's, he's he has to get himself in the position to. I'm, I want to go look at this. Yeah. Anybody else want to this question? Hasne Boer and Lo Yivar Hasne. No one has to, but if you want to, I'd love to hear it. Otherwise, it, it, it stands as a fascinating question. I want to react, and I can't find – I updated my Zoom, and I can't find the raise hand button anymore. So I, I just wanted to say that when I noticed that, I thought maybe that's an explanation of what that means about the fire, that he sees that the fire is separate, really, from the bush, that it's burning, but it's not the bush that's burning. So – yeah. Basically, I guess, similar to what Barry just said. In verse 2, the editorial voice, editorial voice is telling us something declaratively. Well, actually, maybe, maybe not, because even there, Everett Fox was reading as being within Moshe's mind. But if we read it as the, the, the edit, editor is setting the scene that we have a bush and it is a flame on fire, and yet the flame is not being consumed. And then we have Moshe's experience of it. He's wondering, why is this, it's almost like, why is this, um, this bush, which is a flame, not a flame? It, it's almost as if he's, he's recognizing that as Boer, but why isn't it Boering? Um, yeah, uh, Larry, Diane, and then I, Rosemary, I see you want to see something, say something as well. So we'll go to you next. Larry, Diane. Well, I was just perusing through <clears throat> Faria to see with the commentator set to say, obviously it's easier for me <clears throat> when there's a translation. So, Dot Skenim, who I don't know whose commentary that is. Dot Skenim are um, a collection of, of, of rabbis from the era of the Tosafot. They're collected commentaries on the, on the Torah. So they say, Maduolo Yivasna, why the bush refer, refused to, bur- to burn up. Um, is used here for burning, burning up, um, is used ba'er, turned into ash. I think that may have been twisted around here. The root to describe the process of something being utterly destroyed, leaving no trace of having existed. Compare the confession, and this is now from um, Dvarim, chapter 26, verse 13, ba'arti ha'kodesh min ha'bayit. Yeah. I have... 
Yeah, from Parshat Kitavo. I have utterly destroyed anything sacred from the house. My teacher preferred to interpret Moses' words as being phrased as a question. The question is, seeing as the fire has not consumed the bush, why is this so? And I won't go on except to say there are some other commentators that also um, uh, talk about it. Hakatav v'hakabalah. Start off, and it's, it's long and it's in Hebrew, but it says, the shorsh ba'er yishamesh al hadlika hashrifa hashrifa lefi shehu machla I'm not sure v'meba'er min ha'olam et chelki han nisaraf So obviously he's concerned about um, or the commentator of that is, is concerned also about the same same issue. So it's not it's not something that is ignored in the yeah. comment, in some of the commentaries. The second one, Haktav Hakabala is Rabbi Yaakov Tzvi Mecklenburg. He was a German rabbi. Uh, I think he was like 18th, 19th century. Interestingly, one of the things he's most noted for, in addition to his beautiful commentary, is his strong, strong, strong denouncement of reform Judaism as it was coming into Germany in the early 19th century. Um, so, but so he, he had beautiful insights in the Torah and he thought um, that our spiritual ancestors were heretics. Um, what you quoted from the Dazikinim helps me understand Uncleus's choice of words a little bit and maybe even, maybe even they're influenced by it because I suppose you could read Boer as being on fire and yes, Bi'arti HaKodesh Minabayat means on fire, consumed, turned to ash. Tukad, or mitukad, which is what um, Unclus uses for the second one, definitely means the latter, right? It refers to what happens when the flame keeps going on the mizbeach, on the altar, and in the morning, you have the ashes, which leads to this notion of trumat hadeshen, of, 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 of um, taking out the ashes from the previous night's sacrifices. So, so Dad Zekenim is reading... Bo'er to mean two different things in successive verses, which is clearly what Uncle List did as well. Um, Andrew, great. So glad you opened up this Pandora's box. Um, Rosemary, uh, I know you want to say something, so I'm going to try to find you and make sure you can... There you go. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I'm sorry. My uh, video doesn't work and I don't have raised hand on my screen. It's okay. Uh, we know what you look like. Uh, I'm going back to um, some uh, sessions back where we discussed that God saw after Moses uh, uh, slayed the, the, the soldier. So we were talking about how come God didn't see us during 400 years, and he saw that moment. Uh, it's kind of related to the bush, and I'm going uh, from there, as uh, they said before, the bush was burning probably before, People saw it, they ignore it, or didn't see it. It's exactly the same thing that uh, when Hagar is in desert, the water is there, but she doesn't see unless the angel says, the fountain is there, give your child to drink. So many things uh, there are there we don't see when the moment comes, or we want the right person to see it. And I go to, to the painting of um, creation of Adam in Sistine Chapel in Vatican, where Michelangelo shows God's hand is, um, uh, you know, stretched to Adam, 
and Adam isn't still giving his hand to God. So I think God is always there stretching the hand to us, and it needs somebody like Moses who sees the hand or who he wishes. I think the the soldiers were killing other or uh, hitting other slaves, but people didn't care or were scared to react. And the difference between a prophet or a person leader is the person who dares to face them. So Moses stood up to him, and here Moses stood up, uh, went, he wasn't scared, or even if he was scared, but he dared to go to the bush. And that's where all starts. Thank you, Rosemary. Lovely, lovely um, weaving together. Uh, Rick, and then we'll read Rashi on this verse. Hi. So a couple of things that I wanted to agree with Larry about um, uh, uh, Moses speaking to other shepherds. We have to remember that these are the sheep, not of Moses' sheep, but the sheep of Jethro, the, the priest of Midian. The priest of Midian got to have hundreds of sheep, and, and one shepherd can't do all that. He'd have, have a team of people. Um, so I, I like the Vayomer Moshe really means something, that he's saying, that, hey, hey, group, uh, hold on a minute. i got to see what's going on over there. So I like that. Um, the second thing is, wanted to comment how nice it is to be in the 21st century that we have the idea of a hologram and what it could be uh, a couple thousand years they didn't even have that uh, concept so uh, going back into verse two just a little bit more the the angel is in this bilabat ish that's the only way they could describe it in the middle of the snare yeah it kind of looks like it's on fire but it's not really because it's could be a hologram and um and that, that could explain that so I just like that idea. Um, one last comment on Boer and, and Yivar. So we compared Unculus uh, and to the, and to the Datskinim. Um, Everett Fox, such a careful translator. He pays it. I didn't pick up on this the first time I read his translation of it, but it's clear that he's paying attention to the same thing you are paying attention to, Andrew. Um, and he's clear from a single two-letter word. In verse two, he translated and God's messenger was seen by him in the flame of a fire out of the midst of a bush. He saw, colon, here the bush is burning with fire. He reads that as Moshe's internal processing. And the bush is not consumed. So the way he, do, he does Boer is, is burning. Okay. In verse 3, he writes, Moshe said, again, colon, like he's speaking to himself, now let me turn aside that I may see this great sight, why the bush does not burn up. He adds an up, right? And the burning up is, in English, different than burning, right? Burning is, is that the flame is present. Burning up is that it's being um, consumed and there's nothing left at the end. So he's doing the exact same thing that Uncleus is doing and that Datsakahinim did. Um, and I, I just would not have recognized the significance of that up were not for your question, Andrew. So yes, Shekharach. All right, let's go to Rashi on this. Rashi um, is not... Uh, interested in the same things that we are, which is fine. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you, this is, this is for my read, this is a, a subtle Rashi. It's hard to figure out what is a Chiddush or interesting about this Rashi. And let's see if we can work at it together. Um, whom have we not heard from? Sue, you've been, Sue has been on and off the call today. She has a hard time getting on. I don't think she's here right now. Um, I'm okay. here. You are here. Oh, hi, Sue. I'm here. My other to- computer died on me, so I was, you know, jumping in and out. Um, do you want to read Asurana, which is the one Rashi on this verse? Yeah, I'm looking for it. Um, 
um, um, um. You're in our book. It's on the it's at the top of page Cuff Hay, top left. Yeah, I've been looking in my other book. Um, do, 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 do. Hold on, give me one second here. You got it. Nice if it was easy to find, but for some reason it's not. Why did they get okay? Our book, our book, top what? Cuff Hay, top left, just underneath the the text. Yeah, Asurana. So translate, and then let's see, figure out not only what, is, what, what do his words mean, but what is he saying, and why is he saying it? It's, it you're not, it's not allowed from here to get closer to there. Okay, so you're reading Asur as... as, um, as pro- I'm reading Asur as forbidden. Right, but, let's more in the way that we read it last week of... Right. Um, I, 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 I will... I will remove. I, I will step back. So I will step. I will step back um, from. He- okay, I'm lost. I'm sorry. Uh, I will step back. I will step back from here, and I'll get closer to there. Right. He okay. sounds like Grover. Right. Yeah. Over there. Right. So so, so cl- clearly, um, it, it, he's not trying to be silly, but. It, it, it almost seems silly in what, he, in, in what he's saying. So can anyone be what we call melamed zchut, to read this substantively? What is Rashi adding to our understanding of the scene by adding this in this Khan and Sham here and there? Tova? I'm just wondering if it could suggest that I am going to have to step away from the life I've been living here with Yitro and, and that life to, in order to go there, in order to draw closer to God and be in this new relationship, in this new life. Oh, interesting. So it's sort of um, the, the spatial description is a microcosm of, of, of what he's going to have to do in order to accept what's about to be put upon him. Wonderful. I never read that into it. Barry? Uh, Tova, I, I'm, I'm in your space this whole morning. It's exactly <laughs> he's, he, he, he's in an existential moment. He, he, he knows that his life is going to alter completely once he's done this. Hmm. He's, he, 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 he's, he's making a choice, and, and this, is, this is going to alter completely his life. So a, 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 a full transposition of, of, who he, uh, of who he was to who he's going to be, reading it very literally. Interesting. And it's something, something that he does. Yeah. Interesting. If you look at footnote 82 um, – on, on these in our page, and not everyone has our page. The editor of this Rashi, which is his, which is his prerogative, reads it much more contained. Right, that he doesn't. He, uh, what Barry and Tover offering is a kind of a beautiful midrashic expansion of what Rashi says. Um, the editor reads it as a very contained description of what he's saying, uh, uh, as if it's very pointed. Um, Sue, do you see that? Do you want to try reading that footnote eighty-two? Sure. Kavanat harav um, zichrono libracha. Yeah. Lifrosh kolashon hasra or hasara. Hasara. And you can put hasara in quotation marks. Every kolashon hasara, every use of the word or the root hasara. Hasara hanemar be makom kriya kmo. Um, Kisar Lirbo. Sorry about that. 
Yeah. So the the kavanat harav in in the the intention of the rabbi that died. <laughs> who was who the rabbi Rashi? referring to? Rashi. Rashi. That, that's his honorific way of referring to Rashi because he's commenting on Rashi. The intent of the rabbi meaning Rashi, okay. is to explain or interpret that uh, that that everywhere that hasara is is used. You should you should it should be read like. Um, like it's um, permitted to see permitted like it's I don't know okay so so we're getting very close so the intention of the of that's not a permitted thing I gotta get off that get off the get off the permitted is mm-hmm. to explain every usage of the phrase or the root hasara which is stated hanamar bimakom kriya in a moment of a calling Kamo, Kisarli Road, which is which is a verse and a half ahead where God sees Moshe doing this sar, this removal, the road to see, and Asurana, which is what Moshe's saying, the Hule. I'll just keep I'll keep going. Perusham, their interpretation, their meaning is Lashon Hasara Mamash. Actual removal. An actual spatial um, um, displacement. Asuramikan, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna pick myself up from this spot from which I originally saw the thing that I'm reacting to, lehit karev l'sham, so that I can go over and ex- investigate more closely. Now, what's he arguing against? So this has to be what we call like a havamina, right? Like, what would I have said such that Rashi has to disabuse us of that notion, right? That's a, a common uh, Jewish interpretive, rabbinic interpretive notion, right? If you said X, it must be because you would have thought that it, had you not said X, I would have read it as Y. What's the Y? What's the Hava Amina, what I would have said? Perhaps the Y here is lest you think that Moshe is using a, fig, a figure of speech, a figure of speech, um, you know, uh, let me, I don't know, let me compose myself, let, let, let me, <laughs> it's almost, almost, almost talking against what um, Barry and Tova were saying, let me remove myself emotionally so I can get uh, into a zone where I can experience God's presence. That might be true too, but what Rashi says, he's actually doing it. Let me like move from this spot, go somewhere, and then come back, come closer so I can look at more closely. Why is that significant for Rashi to read that? I don't know. It's either because he wants to maintain a certain consistency that Hasarat is always... Um, meant that way and therefore his rationale is extrinsic to the scene or it's very significant for him for us to imagine Moshe in this physical displacement removing himself from the spot from which he saw the bush in order to get to a place where he can look at it closer I don't know which of those two is motivating Rashi more it's it's guesswork Barry and then Tova I think Tova you're unmuted as well oh no I I I think I think Rashi is overlooking the the significance of the nah uh, without the na, it's it's a, a f- physically moving from here to there. But with, with the na, there's an existential moment that's going on here. It's it's uh, it's a struggle internal. Uh, possibly, <laughs> hold Rashi to task for that. Um, any other comments on how Rashi is reading this, or or how it changes the scene? Going once, okay. 
good. So, um, Sue, you got you didn't you didn't get much. So we'll 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 let you keep going. And why don't we go to verse four? I'm very excited. <laughs> okay, verse four. Um, Vayar Adonai ki saulevot vayikra elav Elohim mitochasne vayomer Moshe Moshe vayomer Moshe Moshe vayomer vayomer hineni. <laughs> it's 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 it's, it's uh, fun to read it, and it's a fun verse to lane. Maybe Rick will lane it for us in a second. But speak and first translate it as best you can. Yeah, um, and he um, and he saw God. No, and God saw, <laughs> and God saw that he had turned to see to, to see that he Good. had turned to see, and he Good. calls to him. God calls to him. From yep. inside the bush. Mm-hmm. And he said, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Hineni. Good. So what, however we're supposed to understand the thing we've been discussing for the last 10, ten minutes, which is Moshe's phrasing of um, Asura Nave er, er, let me remove myself so I can see, God sees that, right? Um, and um, as uh, Rick had pointed out, we have another usage of, of the thing that Larry had pointed out in the previous verse, not exactly the same thing, but we have a vayar and a lirot. It's not that it's the noun and the verb, but, but God, God saw what Moshe did to see, right? Horton hears a, a lot of yaring. There's a lot of yaring. A lot of yaring. Mar'eh, vayera, vayar, lirot. Uh, Buber might call this a light work for the whole chapter, that this chapter is about vision and seeing. Uh, yeah. And, and what needs to be seen, right? Good. So let's throw our, let's throw a lot of hands up. Let's throw out some questions and comments um, on the verse. Uh, I see Rick. I see Barry. I see Tova. I see Larry. Diane. I see Elon. So let's do that order. Rick. Hi. Just real quick. Mitochasne. Um, um, that's where God is appearing or calling from. Calling from in this time. Mitochasne. So compared to verse two, where Mitochasne was where the uh, angel appeared in that uh, Labat Eish. So I just wanted to, you know, isolate the, the mitochasna, that phrase um, echoes to me. Yeah, and we discussed, I forgot who it was, mentioned this idea that the angel gets the first appearance in the scene, but we're never, we're, we're never told that the angel leaves and then the angel says that the, the real act is here as God. It's the angel makes the first appearance and all of a sudden it's God who's there. Um, not the angel. It for some reason reminds me of like a Harry Potter scene where a face appears in the, in the, um, in the fireplace. And then it's a different face, right? Um, all of a sudden it's the aim it's God where the angel had been. Um, Barry. Oh, we don't hear you yet, Barry. Uh, I'm focused on it. It's a yod does the scene of Moshe's, whatever, whatever Moshe's na is all about, yod sees that. It's Elohim that does the calling. And uh, it, uh, in, 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 in Breshit, it's, it, it, it's Elohim that baraz, not yod Wonderful. Wonderful. Right? Uh, if, you're, if you're sensitive to... Um, the, the ways in which God name, God's name appears in the Torah, right? These are either all of them or some of them are meant to tell us very, something very specific about which um, 
eminence of God is present at the moment, or all of that is ex post facto, our lovingly reading into it. But we love to read into things, right? So if we're going to follow Barry's um, observation, it's, it's, it's the gentle, compassionate, um, empathic God that observes Moshe preparing for this moment. And then it's the commanding, judgmental, the God of, of Dean, who actually is the one who calls out to him. Uh, there's, there's a lot you could, you could do with that. And thank you for pointing that out. Uh, Tova, Diane, Larry, Elon. Um, this verse actually resonates with what I said before, because I, I, I agree with Rochelle. So I think there was a physical removal to go see, but uh, the fact that it is when God sees that he did depart, that he then speaks to him. It's as if that choice, that choice to remove himself is preparing him spiritually or marking him as spiritually able to then go to the next step. So the fact that we have that, that it's Vayar Adonai Kisar Lerot, that he did this thing, then, and, and you have to ask, if he had not chosen to do that, Good. would it have happened? Good, I, right. Whatever Asurana means, whether Rashi is right or, or not, I believe that Rashi works a little bit harder than the previous verse because for the very thing you just pointed out, that clearly it's significant. Yeah. Because what it doesn't say Vayar Adonai et Moshe, Vayar Adonai, that Moshe did the exact thing that he did and that it was somehow, that was a significant pose, a significant move, literally a significant move. Um, so great. Um, uh, Larry, Diane, and then Elon. Oh, before uh, Larry, Diane, um, Barry, what you mentioned about Adonai and Elohim, um, I, ha- I should pay more attention to how Uncle has handled this. At least in these verses, um, and, and in our verse, Uncle has renders both Adonai Yud and Elohim Elo- um, as Yud Yud. And maybe that's just the way he always does it. I just have not paid enough attention to it. Um, if it's not the way he always does it, then it's interesting that he renders them both in the same way. Um, but it may just be that Uncle always turns either Adonai or Elohim into Yud Yud. I'm not sure. I have to, I have to look more closely at that. Uh, Larry, Diane? Yeah, just a couple of observations. <clears throat> and the first, and questions you might want to comment on is the use of Vayikra Vayomer. So the Vayikra in this case seems to be more with where the voice the sound is actually coming from rather than the content, and Vayomer deals with the with it, with the content. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know how consistent that is. Secondly, I don't like the can't I don't like the trope here. Okay. And no, I, I often, I'm more and more finding I don't like the trope. I'll, rep- the I'll report your critique uh, to the appropriate authorities. <laughs> All right. Well, Rick, Rick, and you, but. Um, the tr- if you read the end of it uh, with the Tavir, Moshe, Moshe, and it's a Merchat which kind of goes together real quickly. But even in the translations that you look at, it's Moshe, exclamation mark, Moshe. And I don't know why they didn't, why they didn't uh, put a, 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 a put that trope in there as, as well. Um, and well, Diane has a has a comment about another word. So, 
So I want to relate to the word Hineni. So um, Rabbi Arya Kaplan translates it as, yes, replied Moses. And it seems to me that Hineni is, in contrast to Anipo, like you would answer in a classroom, it's um, momentous. It's like, here I am, I'm waiting to do your will. Um, So I love both of those comments. The you're right that when we translate this verse into English, the doubling of Moshe's name almost earns an exclamation point. Uh, Everett Fox also, when Yahweh called, uh, when, when God saw that he had turned aside to see, again, emphasizing that what was seen was that he had turned aside, God called to him out of the midst of the bush. He said, colon, Moshe, exclamation point, Moshe, exclamation point. He said, colon, here I am. That somehow gets denuded, defanged by a merchatibcha. Had it even been like a dargatabir, Moshe, Moshe, it would give a little bit of that, right? Um, <laughs> very hard to to sing merchatibcha, not totally fluidly. Um, Rick, I'm, uh, before we get to the other hands that are up, I know Elon's been waiting a bit, but any, any tropistic comment on that? Um, still small voice. You don't need a big... You don't need a big uh, uh, drum and cymbal. Most, the Merchat works fine for me. <laughs> There's our answer. Works fine for Rick. Um, yeah, uh, it would be interesting to see other places where names are doubled, what the, what the truck is. Um, um, yeah. Avraham, Avraham is uh, Avraham, Avraham. It's a Munach um, et uh, on Ak- the Akedah. But, but it has a line in between them. Yeah, yeah. Moshe Moshe is yeah. the only one without a line in between them. Huh. It's Good the one. Doubling of a name and a call that doesn't get divided in any way with, with a line or via trap? I believe so. Well done. I love, I lo- I love having laners uh, in this class. But by line, do you mean a munach? Uh, what's it? The pasek, the straight line up yeah. and down. Yeah. yeah. That straight line, when it's before a munach, is sometimes... And the way I was taught is to read as a different trap called the ligarme. Ligarme. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes it just appears, and it's it's a way of of hinting at some kind of a pause that is not musical, but is it's it's still su- suggesting a separation between these two words. That, that, um, that was one of the issues in last week's or two weeks ago. Haftora Plethora. Yeah. We talked about the Munach ligarme. Yeah. Um, okay, Elon, waiting patiently. Yeah, three questions. One, why the Moshe Moshe? Two, what's the connection between the Hineni here and the Hineni of uh, of Avraham and Yaakov? And th- and three, given the um, given the importance of this line, why no comment at all from Rashi, particularly about those things and other things that we've spoken about. Yeah. So let's, let's take your last comment first. If you do a quick glance about what Rashi is and is not going to say over the next few verses, he's sleeping. He's got distracted. There was a pogrom in the next town and he was going to, to help fight it. He, he, he's, he's been speaking a lot. He says a couple of things on verse five a couple of things on verse seven. And the next time we hear from him is not till verse 10. So this very intense, important scene where God is, is, le- is doing the initial revelation to Moshe. Uh, the, the, my drash on that is that what Rashi does is exactly what he said 
Moshe did. Kisar asurana ve'ere. Let me step back and look. He, he's just quieter than he normally is. Maybe he's taken in by the scene. He's overwhelmed by the emotion of the scene. And he puts his pen down. He puts his quill down and just lets it be. Right? I have no idea if I'm correct. But that, that's, that's my instinct there. Um, but you're right to note that, that he is um, quiet on this verse completely. And in this scene, he has just as much less to say than he normally does. Maybe he wanted to let the scene speak for itself. Right? People talk about uh, you know, language that you and I, Ilan, really appreciate, the mastery of a good um, play-by-play announcer and broadcaster. And one of the things that people praised um, Vin Scully for, uh, Deal, is he, he knew when to let the game just be. And he knew when to let the viewer not listen to him and just watch what's happening on the field with, with few words. He didn't, if he commented on it, he would detract from it. Um, whereas some play-by-play announcers and commentators are, are you know, are, 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 are running commentaries that are sometimes unnecessary, the way people critique Bill Walton as a, as a, as a commentator in basketball. Is a version of that going on here? Maybe, I don't know, but it, it's, it's an interesting thing to pick up. Um, Moshe, Moshe, right? Uh, question better than the answer, right? Why, why is his name doubled? It does happen, as Steve, Stevie pointed out, um, Avraham is called uh, um, Avraham twice, several different times. It doesn't happen all the time. What are we supposed to read from the moments where God does call out to a person by name twice? Um, I forgot your other comment. Was it about Hineni? Yeah. Is there a tie in between the Hineni here and the previous two Hinanis that we've encountered being uh, Avraham and Yaakov? Yeah. Um, sure. Maybe. Yes. I, I do think that there are intended hyperlinks in the Torah to use an anachronistic term that are supposed to immediately bring us back to previous scenes, right? Certainly commentators read it that way. In fact, halachic midrash is built on that, that if a word, a single word appears here and it appeared there, then it's somehow supposed to, in a, in a different universe, connect those two scenes together, even according to Jewish law. Like law is derived from that. So certainly narratively, I imagine that we're supposed to be thinking about previous times we've heard those, those uh, right. Um, Rick, is your hand up from before or now? Okay. Uh, Stevie. Yeah. Um, about the the angel appearing and then it being God. Um, yeah. that's a That happens almost every time that an angel appears. That there's some sort of, like, where first an angel appears and there's some confusion and then it seems to be God. It happens with Hagar. If if the three visitors to Abraham are angels, it happens there too. It it happens at the Akeda. It, it happens in Nevi'im when you know the Samson's birth is predicted and so forth. It, it, it's a. I think it'll be my topic next to this, but but it's so, something about angels and God confusion is a is a recurring uh, motif. Yeah. Um. And and the other thing I was going to say is my my high school teacher said about Moshe Moshe that it sort of is evidence that God, that Moses's prophecy is more unfiltered that you know Abraham or everyone else when they get called with you know their name repeated that there's some sort of separation which I guess implies a, a like the prophetic distance whereas Moses is is unfiltered hmm. um, that's obviously I, I don't know if he had any source for that aside from his own uh, opinion but Great. On the, on the first thing you said, it sort of 
um, has us imagining the angel's appearance pre-God as a version of a of a here's Johnny, right? Like like the the the, the star is about to come out, but the angel is there first to let us know that's about, that's about to happen. Um, Tova is recommending I do something, and I'm gonna I, I appreciate it. We changed because now there are now more people on the class than had been. We changed next week's class from Wednesday to Tuesday because next week's class on Wednesday would have um, specifically overlapped the inauguration. So we're going to meet instead of Wednesday at eight thirty, Tuesday at eight forty-five. Tuesday at eight forty-five because we don't want to overlap with the Rabbi Doctor Habibi's class. This link Tuesday at eight forty-five next week. Um, we'll try to get that into the into the uh, week at a glance Shabbat email as well. Um, Great. I want to point out one thing. Rashi does not come on in the verse, but Sadia says something interesting in one word, and then I see Larry and Diane's hand. So if you're in our book, top right of the second of the two pages in which this verse appears, Kaf Vav, Rasag, Rabbi Sadia Gaon, a very, very early commentator from Egypt. He reads Vayar as Vayeda. He saw, he reads as, and he knew. He knew intimately. It's very interesting. Like, without his saying it, I think we presume that by God's seeing it, God was knowing what it meant. Um, but he, he must have had something very specific in mind for to have us think of Vayeda um, when we read Vayar, particularly because we had a Vayeda Elohim um, a few verses ago at the end of chapter two, when he sees the Israelites suffering by Yar Elohim at B'nai Israel. God saw the people of Israel Elohim, and he really knew it. So I wonder if that's in the shot of the text. I wonder if uh, uh, Saja is kind of bringing that forward. And I'm curious what people think as to what the significance is of turning Vayar into Vayeda. So I wanted to throw that out there as a question while you're thinking about that, Larry, Diane, and then Barry. Well, I'm also going to answer your question, but before I do, not in our book, but in this fiery version of, of uh, Hiskuni, there's in brackets, so it means that somebody added it, I think. Yep. A little comment about that refers to the, uh, the, the issue of the malach of the angel and deals with what Stevie was talking about, what we talked about last week uh, as well. And it says, Vayar Hashem, U malach Hashem, Vinitan lo, Vinitan lo, Rashut Lideber Bishem Hashem. In other words, he was the angel of God, but God gave him permission to speak in the name of God. Mm. So that's his, that's whoever wrote that. That's his reading on uh, or trying to figure out what happened to the angel. Mm. So the angel speaking in the name of God. It's a little bit related to your question and my answer to your question. A long time ago, I remember somebody saying, maybe it was you, I don't remember who it was. I think it's many more years. Anytime we read an anthropomorphization of God, it's for our benefit and not because you're supposed to think that that's actually what God does. God is not anthropomorphized and we can't possibly understand that. But we can't understand God unless we put it in the context of who we are. So... Right, the Talmudic version of that notion is Yes. spoke in language that we can understand. That doesn't mean that that's an, an actual representation of what God is, but we, we couldn't... It would be gobbledygook if, if it didn't speak that way. Yeah. So even to say that God saw his anthropomorphization, but also the comment, well, it wasn't that he saw, he knew, is another anthropomorphization of, of God. And it's simply to try to help us to understand 
um, what the interact what the interaction was. I don't know how much that really helps to understand something you can't understand, <laughs> but that's my answer. Great. Um, uh, Rick had asked me in a private chat, what did Sadia say on the other Vayeda that I was referring to at the end of chapter two? So interestingly, on the first Vayeda Elohim, which is chapter two, verse 25, Sadia, this is on page Kaf Gimel of our books, we're going to look top right, he turns it into Vayachmol Alehem. That, that the fact that he knew them meant that he had compassion, he had mercy for them. So there, Vayeda is Vayachmol, he knew and so he had compassion. Here, Saj is saying Vayar is Vayeda, he saw, which meant that he knew. Does that mean by the transitive property that here Saj is suggesting that he saw, he knew, and he had compassion? The, the chemla, the compassion, mercy, doesn't, doesn't jive as well in this scene as the previous one, but that's how he rendered it back there. Um, Barry, Joel, and then we'll, we'll end. Barry, Bakasha. Oh, uh, we've been introduced to the, the, the term uh, to, to know Veda in the sexual uh, uh, connotation. So it's a, it's a closeness, a, a real closeness. So uh, it's Yudhe Bodhe is in closeness with with Moshe, and Moshe has just done the na, the the, the turning, and and now now Yudhe Bodhe is close with. Moshe, that's the VR, and, and 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 now Elohim is speaks to him in a very personal way, and that's why it's Moshe Moshe. It's very personal speaking to Moshe. Yeah, good. Hey, particularly when you you would normally think that it would be the Yud Hey Vav Hey going Moshe Moshe, but you're pointing out that that Yud Hey Vav Hey, the softer emanation of God sees something and, and maybe knows intimately and that even Elohim gets softened by his calling out to, or God's calling out to Moshe um, in, the, in the most intimate of ways. Lovely. Joel, you get the last comment of the day. Okay. I don't want to give away any spoilers. Um, I know we're going to get to it in the next couple of weeks, but uh, you know, <laughs> very end where it says, you know, Lokam od be Israel, yadu, um, I don't know. Um, I mean, the connection between Lirot and Lada'at, you don't usually know somebody face to face, usually see somebody face to face. So getting back, sort of like what um, uh, Stevie was saying about the special relationship, that there was nothing between them. So maybe in other, every other time that God spoke, he spoke through an angel. But from now on, he's going to speak directly. Yeah, and we could do a lot of thinking about this, this place that Sajia and you now are point, pushing us into, which is the critical role that Ri'ya seeing is to Yidi'ah intimate knowledge. Um, and, 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 how, and how often we fail to see, how often we fail to see the things that if we saw, we might really know. Sometimes we intentionally choose not to see those things. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.